It's time to accelerate. Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 697, that's 697, of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. Now, can you believe that it's the end of January? As far as surprises, looking at the calendar this week, it's like, holy cow. One whole month gone, one twelfth. We've already gone through. So I hope it's off to a good start for you. And I have another excellent episode this week to help you get things going and a new perspective on, on sales and what you're trying to accomplish. Joining me today is Matt Suggs. Matt is the Executive Vice President of Mediafly. And today, Matt and I are talking about how to create interactive buying experiences. You know, we all know B2B buying behavior has changed or has continued to change as a result of access to all the information available online and all the other sources that are out there. So today, Matt and I are diving into how sellers must assess what misinformation a buyer may have prior to digging into you know, engaging with the salesperson and what that means in terms of your selling process, right? So if they're misinformed, how does that inform how you sell? So we're going to dig into their buying process and also talk about what's changed in terms of what the actual point of entry into the buying process is today. And Matt will describe what ready-to-buy means from the customer point of view and what that means for you as a seller and what that has, uh, the impact that has on you in terms of when you actually engage with the buyer. So, all right, let's jump into it with my guest, Matt Suggs. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Doing great. So, where are you today? I'm at uh, MediaFly headquarters on the 20th floor of the the old stone container building in Chicago. Now, which one is that? So, if you watch the, uh, if you watch like football games, the Bears playing. Sure. They show the skyline. It's the building that looks like it was cut at a forty-five degree angle. So it's a real. If if you see it, you'd say, "Oh, you'd recognize it from those from those." Uh, yeah. Broadcasts. So an older building. <clears throat> it's been around for a while. Um, it was also featured in a movie. Um, What's that? What's like the address? Adventures and Babysitting movie. <laughs> it's that building. So uh, it's 150 North Michigan Avenue, oh, okay, Chicago. <clears throat> so for people who, and here we are, just completely off the track already. But yeah, yeah. Part of my show is, but if you're ever in Chicago and you want to do something really fascinating, is take the architecture tour on one of the tour boats on the river. It is so interesting. Oh, such incredible architecture in Chicago. It's a great way to see uh, a good portion of the downtown Chicago. And um, the tour guides are great. We actually took our, our customer summit was uh, a couple weeks ago. We took all of our customers on the architectural tour. Yeah. Yeah, I've done it a couple times. I really, really enjoy it. Um, I have to admit, I had to sort of be talked into it by, by my wife. And then once we did it, it's like, okay, let's do it again. I'm sold. A fascinating yeah. history of the city and history of, of tall building architecture in the United States. I mean, Chicago was really at the forefront of that. So, yes, it was. If people are into architecture, that's that's the one. All right. So, to business here is uh, we're going to talk about changing buyer behaviors. And so, one of the premises, you know, when you'd originally reached out to me and we talked about being on the show, is is this notion that that B two B buyers are changing their behaviors and that they more closely mirror the behavior of b2c buyers these days I just tell us about that why why do you think that's the case well I think um, 
in the B2B space, that's pretty common knowledge or you've probably read about it or heard about it that um, buyers are changing as a result of their access to information. Um, so the, the point at which they will typically engage with a uh, salesperson is later and later in their evaluation. <clears throat> a lot of them are doing their research online or through other, other methods, trade shows, um, analysts, or sometimes through uh, crowdsourced review sites before they before they even want to talk to a salesperson. Well, let me let me let's pause there for a second because yeah. you know this is this is a point of no small contention in the sales world. <laughs> um, I would say people are pretty split down the middle whether they think that is the case or whether they think that's not the case. I mean, there's a, certainly you know the Gartner crowd, uh, you know other researchers, you know they've used that statistic. I hey I I've used that statistic in a book before. But yeah, it was an equally fervent group of people who say, "No, that's not the case." Is that that? Yeah, the buyer, the seller, outreaching to the 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 buyer is really what initiates. Yeah. What What do you think accounts for that that difference of opinion? And that's these are these are very strongly held opinions. This is not just a matter of conjecture. Yeah, well, I think the idea that B two B buyers are doing things differently than they did twenty years ago is probably not a point of contention. No. I think what's the point of contention is what's the result going to be? Because, um, you know, you read articles that are entitled things like death of a salesman. Um, <laughs> and, you know, if you're in the sales world, I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty negative thing to read. Um, yeah. I, hopefully you're not I, believing that if you do. Yeah. But yes. yeah I, I, I personally, I don't, I think it, but it does change the way you have to engage with those buyers. Because the assumption is that because they've gone out and done more research before engaging with a seller, that they that they know they know more about what they're um, about to buy. Sometimes they do, and but many times they don't. So I think that um, you know that the key thing for a seller to do is they where they used to start with qualification and talking about a customer's need and discovery. I think the challenge now is that um, uh, now you've got to assess what misinformation that's, that that uh, buyer might have prior to uh, prior to really digging into your your capabilities. Hmm. So what you're saying is is that from your perspective is is that sellers almost have to will have to have to discover what the buyers have to unlearn. Yeah. Exactly. But isn't that always been the case, really? I mean, I think that, granted, there's more information out there, but I mean, everybody sort of has, has a, you know, opinions, impressions, or something yeah. that they formed about. I mean, I, I wonder whether that's really a, a uh, you know, recent phenomenon, or are you, you just saying it's more pronounced now? Well, I think it's definitely more pronounced, and it's, it depends on the industry, too. Um, another challenge, I think, uh, in certain industries is the pace of innovation, certainly in the technology space, mm -hmm. the pace of innovation uh, is far faster than the pace of um, those informational resources' ability to assimilate and distribute that knowledge. So think about, um, you know, when, when uh, think about the analyst community, when they used to write about uh, the next upcoming release of SAP R3, you know, that was a document that would live on for, you know, a couple of years until the next major release. Mm -hmm. Well, now, um, you know, they're writing about 
current capabilities of a software as a solution provider, and the next release is coming in three weeks. You know, so that so you know the the concept that uh, that the buyer's information, you know, the buyer is gathering more information. That information is more readily available. But I think, in certainly in some cases, the the relevance and timeliness of that information is impacted by how fast the industry that they're you know they're looking at how fast it's innovating. That's definitely changed. Sure. Sure, but I mean, in some cases, in some some circles, people write about that and say, yeah. "Well, the out the outcome of that this rapid innovation is that buyers have a more difficult time staying abreast of what's what's going on." Um, but yet, there's also other research that says, "Well, you know, that's not really the case. That actually buyers are quite adept at staying abreast of what's what's going on. That those, yeah, you know, when they're interested in the field or the IT buyers interested, as you said, SAP latest release or, or what have you, is that, um, yeah, they actually one of the great things about the internet is it enables them to stay current." And they can use the the user sites. They can use the vendor sites. They can use whatever resources are, are out there to to stay current. Um, what are you guys finding? Well, I find that I've found that you know if you look at three different communities, you've got partners. Um, so this would be maybe it's a systems integrator partner. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the customer. And you've got the analyst community. All of those are sources, or you know, in the customer case, user groups. All of those are sources, good sources of information for um, how to purchase and uh, you know who the leading p- providers are, and uh, maybe what some of the pitfalls might be of implementing a particular solution. I think that the challenge for uh, for somebody that's evaluating software or any technology today is that it's, I think it's impossible for those sources of information to keep up to date with the the pace of innovation. So, you know, we go through uh, analyst reviews on a regular basis and, you know, by the time the paper has been gone through the editorial process or, you know, by the time the the review of your solution on a, on a, on a site like G2 crowd is, has been available for two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the, some of the information is going to be uh, out of date, inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just important that uh, as as uh, sellers go in and engage with with buyers, no matter what the industry is, that you've got to take into account that 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 buyer, the same societal shifts that we see in how you 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 know a consumer buys products, you know, research researching things online. You know, crowdsourced reviews mm-hmm. and forums, sure, absolutely. and that, and then only really engaging a salesperson when you're ready to buy. Um, those those are consistent with what we see in the B two B space. Maybe not quite as prevalent, but certainly the trends are running in the same direction. Well, so define ready to buy because I I think that that point of of entry into whatever metaphor we're going to use, a buying process, selling process, funnel, whatever, yeah. in your mind, what is that? So define that, what you mean by ready to buy. Well, the way I look at it is, um, the way uh, I think most selling organizations look at it is they, they think of, you know, when the customer starts engaging with them, they think they're, they automatically think they're in a selling process. But the <laughs> customer is far from entering their buying process. 
So the fact that that customer will take a meeting with you, um, you know, they might be doing it just because they're interested in, in educating themselves. Well, they're shopping. But, yeah, they're sh- shopping or not even shopping. You know, um, you, like you said, there are ways to keep up to date and maybe they're just curious about the industry. When the customer says, we're applying resources, people, and, you know, our, our limited resources to evaluate your software for the pur- purpose of making a purchasing decision, that's when we really consider a customer is, is uh, ready to buy. So they're, they're applying resources in a formally, in starting a formal evaluation. That's when we think, that's when we consider them to be ready to buy. Uh, so we don't really don't track, you know, we track, obviously we track opportunities at earlier stages mm-hmm. than that. But from a management perspective, from a management perspective, we start really tracking um, in our management reports when the customers started a formal evaluation. Because before that, they could literally just be kicking tires. So in your organization, so who's, who's inter- interfacing with the uh, customer before they're at that buyer readiness stage? Well, it's a combination of, you know, our marketing organization through, you know, outreach and nurturing, but also, you know, the salesperson is still, you know, is, is, uh, you know, oftentimes you're having a, a meeting with the cust- meetings with customers or maybe a, a web conference with a customer or meeting them at a, at a trade show or something like that. So, um, the, the, uh, in terms of, um, you know, how many of those we found that it wasn't reliable to look at earlier stage opportunities uh, from a management perspective until until they said, you know, formally we're 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 going to make a do an mm-hmm. evaluation, you know. And so and it, obviously it depends on what types of products you're you're selling um, more transactional businesses where the decisions are made much quicker. Uh, it's it's going to be slightly different. But even those customers that, you know, our customers of Mediafly that are out selling on a daily basis in transactional type businesses, um, you know, one of the first steps that they have to take is, is to assess um, what, the, what the customer's current uh, perceptions are of, you know, the products and services and what, you know, and the impact of, of um, those products and services are going to be on their business. So um, we, we work in a really wide variety of industries, mm-hmm. um, you know, from B2B tech, uh, which would be actually similar to what Mediafly does, financial services, customers like Goldman Sachs um, and Transamerica. Um, we have a lot of customers in the consumer packaged goods space. And, you know, that's a very transactional type. So of business. actually in the distribution side or in the retail side? Um, so, uh, selling through to retail. So to think retail. about, um, mm-hmm. so, so the, uh, PepsiCo mm-hmm. is a great example. So their North American beverage business, about 13,000 users on, on, uh, Mediafly. And they use our solution to go out and engage with people in the store and even at the home office of, of those retailers. And, um, uh, you know, one of the first things they have to do is break down the perceptions that the that those customers might have. Um, you know, the the uh, another one of our leading customers is Miller Coors, mm-hmm. and they they use data uh, data insights um, to help break down those perceptions. So everything they do, whether it's in their on-premise business in the bars and restaurants, 
to the retail classes of trade in um, uh, grocery, uh, liquor stores, convenience stores, um, the way that they sell into those outlets is by using uh, data insights to show that customer something they didn't know before. Well, give, us, give us an example of what that is, because that's yeah, yeah. In, insights is a, a term that's so casually yeah thrown so around these of, days. So, so uh, the two examples just with Miller Coors. So one of the one of the primary things today, you know, primary challenges today for a major brewer uh, like Miller Coors is uh, that the proliferation of craft beer. Mm-hmm. And you go into bars today and where they used to have four or five tap handles with, and you recognized every tap handle. Now you go in there and there's 15 tap handles and, and you don't recognize any of them. Well, there's and, um, a bar five blocks away from me that's got 55 handles. So Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, and in my hometown in Raleigh, there's one that's got the world, Guinness Book of World Records for uh, most uh, beer taps. I think uh, Raleigh Beer Garden. But the, um, uh, so one of the things they had to, to do to get Coors Light and Miller Light back on tap because they were losing tap handles mm-hmm. to these craft beers was to show them that um, while they thought the, the consumer was craving craft beer, and so they wanted, they kept adding more and more craft beer to those tap handles, they had to show them through marketing studies and data that that uh, beer drinker that drinks uh, the premium light beer like Coors Light or Miller Light, they actually drink more beer, they spend more money on that beer, and they're more loyal to that brand. And so it's it basically it boils down to an interactive conversation with the bar restaurant owner, resulting in a on the spot business case. This is how much money. This is how much more money you're going to make by replacing you know this craft beer with uh, uh, Miller Light, Coors Light, and by the way, we can also help you manage the beer category for your bar and restaurant not just for our products, but for our competitors' products. Um, in the grocery class of trade, they take data that comes from Nielsen, and they can show the uplift for a specific type of promotion uh, in the moment to the store manager uh, using Mediafly. And that, you know, that kind of data, they're basically saying, if you put a 100 stack of beer here and you support it with an ad, the uplift for your store is over the next uh, three weeks is going to be X. And they can do that at that specific store level using data that they, they couldn't apply to that selling scenario prior to using Mediafly. And so what are you doing that enables that? I mean, they have data on one hand. They could yeah. print out a report and give it to the guy. Exactly. And they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but nobody used it. Right. So but what we, are you doing that's, that's making it usable? What, so what we're doing, first off, the data that they had from, from Nielsen really stopped its, its uh, dissemination at the marketing group. So our application allows the, the salesperson to go in, select the specific store that they're in. Um, they can compare the, Coors, the Miller Coors products to the competitor's products side by side. And the data is updated for the specific selling period and the specific store um, in the moment. So it's, it's very easy for them to point and click and mm-hmm. generate basically a business case for why they want to buy that promotion. Um, on the spot with the uh, um, with the store manager. So just to make sure I understand. So if somebody's using MediaFly, which is is that integration of the data is that done 
by the customer or is it you guys connect the pipes it's, into MediaFly and you actually do the aggregation and reporting? So it's, it can, it's actually a combination because in some cases, um, you know, in the case of that, that uh, grocery class of trade, it was really MediaFly working with Nielsen as mm-hmm. one of their connected partners to right. surface that information. And then they had another, they have another capability, which was a internally um, curated uh, set of data that would show their customer in a, in a liquor store outlet or, um, or convenience store. It would show them products that they did not stock in that store that sold well in that market. Mm-hmm. They, and they called originally they called that smart skew, but they've got a, they've got another name for it now. But basically, um, that used to be a, you know, a phone book sized report that they would, you know, it was shared with the, with the salespeople and the distributor reps. There's a lot more distributor reps sure. than our reps. And, um, but the use, you know, they couldn't get people to use it because, you know, you have to thumb through pages and pages mm-hmm. of data mm-hmm. versus going in and saying, you know, in that application, they, they pick out the outlet on the map. It shows them the map and it shows them, you know, this ABC liquor store. They click on that and, um, and it brings up the data uh, in the moment with the customer. Very interesting. So, so we look at um, data insights, um, the use of uh, tools, interactive tools that gather information from the customer and then produce a, a value proposition or a TCO model or an ROI. Uh, for that client to back up the purchase of a, of a product or service. Um, those are ways that you can break down the, um, the conceptions or preconceptions that a, that a buyer might have prior to you engaging with them. Yeah. Well, I mean, it gets you to, I think, I think it's one of the things that's interesting about that is, is that the way I experience decision-making through buyers over my years in sales is they sort of two-step decisions. You know, they sort of make this first the go no go decision, right? Do we and they need that data that you talked about to really make that go no go decision? Is you know, do we have the decision or enough information now to make the decision whether we should do this or not? And yeah, if you can be the the vendor bringing that information to the table, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, I think it definitely is. I think the you know what we've uh, you know you read about things in analyst papers. One of the metrics is that that uh, was found by Forrester is that 74% of buyers will buy from the first seller that actually brings relevant insights about their business to the table. And yeah, they've, they've modified that. Yeah, it's the vision, right? Or you bring the buying vision to the, the buyer at one point, it was 65%. And I guess now it's 74%. Yeah. But, but yeah, Forrester's been after that number for a while. But yeah, I mean, that's, I think it's incredibly relevant. Statistic, whether it's sixty-five or seventy-four, almost immaterial. Because if you're the one that, if you're the one that can do that, if you're the supplier that can bring those insights to get them, like I said, to make that that initial go/no-go decision, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna win the deal. And that's what you know. That's what we're trying to do with helping our customers become evolved sellers. Because as in life, you know, half the people or uh, three quarters of the people out there are never going to bring that insight. Right? They're gonna. Yes, they're gonna they're gonna show up with the same PowerPoint deck that they showed last week to another customer, and uh, you know go through every slide of that deck, not ask a question. So for those organizations that actually want to step up step up their game, and and 
become more of a consultant to their customers and assist their customers in building better businesses, you know, the, the evolved selling model works really well. Well, so we'll get into that here in the time we have remaining. But so what is the uh, MediaFly? It's a sales enablement platform. So yeah. what is the, the secret sauce? Is it that being able to take in the pipes of data and work those to present those in a usable form that's that's valuable for a buyer and seller alike or it's a combination of things i mean it start you know it started the company really started focused on assisting uh large enterprises and in, in distributing sales ready content and measuring the usage of that content um in an effective way mm. over time it's evolved into this um into this evolved selling model where it's not just focused on making sure people have the the right content for the right conversation, but also that they can have an interactive experience with the customer. So it's more of a conversation versus a presentation. Um, and that they can, you know, pivot, they can be more, um, they can weave in the data insights from uh, all the data sources that, you know, companies are creating all these data warehouses and, and data marts and, and have a lot more data than they used to have. But that doesn't mean they've they've used it more effectively in front of their customers. Sure, absolutely. And so, um, you know, those types of insights are, are critical. So, how uh, do you how do you? I mean, the fact is, even if they have that data and they never used it, just the mere fact of buying MediaFly doesn't make it available. I mean, they need to do some work to to access it and organize yeah. it and present it in such a way. So, how do you work with companies to to make those insights available and relevant? Yeah. So what we do is we, we have a, a framework that allows us to engage the client and surface that content in the, in the middle of a presentation with their customer. So um, the idea is that, you know, you know, it's not that you show the same PowerPoint and then go over and bring up a spreadsheet and show them some data insights. It's that you can weave that data, those data insights into a presentation um, that feels like it's it's all one thing, and in fact, it's it's a a collection of content um, assembled by the sales rep. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, ultimately, it's sitting down with our our customers and determining what data sources they have that could drive a decision more effectively if that data was used in in the field. Most of our clients they know what the data is. I mean, they know which data points should drive a buyer decision. Um, but getting the salespeople to actually use that data in the format that it, that is, that it's in when we arrive, uh, is, is challenging. So yeah. what we're doing is think of it as like slices of, of massive data sets. We're taking slices of those data sets and surfacing them in a way that's not only is it consumable for the customer, but something that's actually consumable for the seller. You know, yeah, sell, the, most, the sellers, most sellers are going to find the yeah. one thing that works for them and keep using yeah. it. And the seller, it, it's, it's got to be simple enough that the seller has confidence in their ability to present it. Right. So um, the, the challenge for sellers today is not that marketing is, isn't producing enough content. No. The challenge for sellers is, is their uh, confidence in that content to drive a decision. And so um, I think that, uh, you know, that's what we really focus on with our customers is, is identifying, um, their, you know, through analysis of their method of selling, we want to identify what, 
what value that seller brings to their buyers um, and make sure that we're surfacing that in a relevant and timely way um, through the, through the, the salespeople in these interactive experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, that to me, this, this makes sense. I mean, a lot of what I hear from sales enable some sales segment of sales enablement is basically, yeah, just surfacing the right content at the right, what they consider to be the right time. And to me, that has sort of a limited value add, um, you know, for, for sales reps who are experienced, they're going to know that anyway, but the data right. insights, that's, that's taking it to a different level that now you start having a real conversation about outcomes yeah. Uh, that's that's tangible, quantifiable, and I think this is really a, a huge failure point for most B two B sellers, especially in the little more complex sales. They don't. Yes, they may be able to present a vision to somebody about what to do, but until that can be reduced to dollars and they can quantify what the value they're going to receive from it is, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, you, you, very few purchases, especially major purchases, large capital purchases, they really need to be driven off of a, you know, a value proposition, whether that's TCO based or ROI based or, you Return know, on capital, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe it's, maybe it's something that's, that's based on an uplift in revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, there's gotta be a business impact and, um, um, and that's a, that's a big area of focus for, for our clients. Uh, we've got another customer that's a, in the manufacturing business and, and um, they've recently deployed, a TCO, an interactive TCO calculator. And it's very simple for the salesperson to sit down with their customer and compare the current um, production system that they're sure. trying to replace with a number of products um, from, from our client. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and they can take into account labor rates, rework rates um, in a series of very, it's a very sequential model. It's really easy to navigate through. But at the end, it, it spits out a, a TCO calculation on the, the dollars and cents impact of making that change. And uh, with the click of a button, it produces, um, it produces that uh, TCO report, um, basically a proposal, um, with no other action but a sales rep. He just has to press a button, and that can be sent immediately to the customer as a, as a leave behind. And the impact of that is mm-hmm. that you know, as the sales management is looking at, uh, you know, their reports, they can see along with, you know, the, the sales reps pipeline, they can also see how many, cause this information is all pushed over to the CRM system sure. as well. They can see how many of those customers that are in a certain stage have received, a, have a TCO model calculated for them. And for people listening, just, total cost of yeah. operation, I think you're yeah. talking about, total right? Cost, well, total cost of ownership, Ownership, right? okay, so, yeah. Yeah, so total cost of ownership in this particular industry is the, is the way that they man, they measure uh, the manufacturing equipment that they mm-hmm. purchase. Yep. Yeah, well, I, th- I think that the thing is, again, another thing that's interesting about this approach is that, for me, as I look at actual sales productivity is the ability to have this type of data and provide it to people in this type of format is that theoretically you're going to reduce the number of calls required to reach a certain point where the customer is informed to this level of, of uh, to this degree, let's say. So yeah, I think that, that, 
at least in terms of the total amount of time required, number of selling hours required to get somebody from yeah. initial point of interest to a sale, this this should reduce it. Yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely does. I think um, you know our the impact that we've had with customers that are using this value based approach and involved selling um, has been significant. Um, you know, we also have customers that are still deployed basically as sales enablement, getting content in the hands of the, mm. of the sellers. Um, but we see um, all of our customers eventually moving over to a model that's based on being you know, more dynamic and interactive in front of the customer, uh, more integrated with their, not just their CRM system, but also with uh, marketing automation solutions and, and leveraging uh, data insights to, to uh, drive more effective engagement with their customers. Yeah. That's a very interesting approach. Um, well, good. Well, thank you very much for the time. This has been great. Um, yeah. So tell tell folks how they can find out more about MediaFly and connect with you. Yeah, so you can uh, come to MediaFly.com. So it's uh, www.MediaFly.com. And, um, or you can check us out. We, you know, we're always at the Salesforce events like Dreamforce or the World Tour events. Um, you know, reach out to us and we'd be happy to talk to you about what we can do for you as an evolved seller. All right. Well, good. Well, Matt, thank you very much. All right. Thanks a lot. Okay, friends, that was Accelerate for the week. First of all, as always, I want to thank you for joining me. And I want to thank my guest today, Matt Suggs. Uh, Join me again next week as I welcome my friend Skip Miller to Accelerate. Skip's the founder, president of M3 Learning, one of the real sales experts around. He's author of a couple of best-selling books, Proactive Selling and Selling Above and Below the Line. And Skip and I are going to talk about the big changes that are really needed in B2B sales. So be sure to join us then. But before you go, don't forget to check out The Sales House. It is the all-in-one sales development, sales growth program for B2B sellers. Visit The Sales House at thesaleshouse.com forward slash join. Look forward to seeing you there. So thanks again for joining me. Until next week, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.